Hello and welcome to Dedicated Packers, the podcast we do cover the Green Bay Packers. We don't cover anything else. Let's go. Alright, hello and welcome back to Dedicated Packers. Today, we are going to be talking about five of the big-time lessons that we learned in 2022, what the 2022 season taught us. First, there is just a very tiny amount of news to discuss. The Pro Bowl is currently on. Uh, Again, instead of the tackle football game where no one actually tackled, They've moved to a seven-on-seven flag football game. That was slightly more interesting to watch today. Really nothing to write home about. I just sort of had it on in the background as I did work because it's it wasn't, I mean, it's it's not a great product, but it's better than a tackle football game where no one's actually tackling. In uh, in other news, right before we went live, Ijiro Evero was hired to be the Panthers defensive coordinator. Evero, you might recognize this name, was the Broncos defensive coordinator last year with Nathaniel Hackett. He was extremely, extremely good in Denver, made a extremely, extremely good defense out of that Denver talent. And he was the Packers finalist, or one of the Packers finalists, for the defensive coordinator job back in 2020, or after the 2020 season. Uh, the Packers first asked Jim Leonard to be their DC. He turned them down, went back to Wisconsin, to Wisconsin, and then Matt Lafleur chose Joe Barry over Ejiro Evero. Looks like a very bad pick at the moment, but what you gonna do? We're stuck with Joe Barry. The Panthers get Ejiro Evero as he moves on from Denver. I think it's a phenomenal hire for them. I think he's gonna do wonders with their defense, and most of all, I'm happy that the Vikings did not get Ejiro Evero because there were talks and reports that the Vikings would be getting him or they were at least interviewing him. So I'm very happy that he is going to Carolina. Okay, let's that with all that out the way, let's jump into lessons. Today, I said it, I'm going to cover the five biggest lessons from the 2022 season. I'm going to talk about what we learned, what it means, and most importantly, how does it affect the franchise going forward slash what needs to be done to, uh, you know, adjust to whatever we learned from the lesson. So the fifth lesson is that the defense needs to go back to fundamentals and aggression. And for really the entire season, there was a lot of discourse around this Packers defense. It wasn't too bad early on. They stepped up very nicely against teams like Tampa I mean, that looked like an achievement at the time. As the season moved on, we realized that it wasn't really an achievement. And for much of the first half of the season, I gave the defense a pass because the offense couldn't do jack squat so continuously. And as a result, the defense was put into a lot of disadvantageous situations. However, as the offense came together, we saw a lot of big issues with the defense against Miami. We saw the pass defense throughout the first half look abysmal. They couldn't pass off anything. Tua was dicing the defense up with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. Against the Eagles, we saw the run defense look 
terrible. No one could tackle. Linebackers were missing tackles. Defensive linemen were not able to disengage or make tackles. The secondary couldn't really tackle. So that was a disaster there. And what I want to discuss here is not only what happened in both of those games, but a play that I believe perfectly exemplified what I want the defense to improve at and what the issue, what one of the big issues with the defense was. And that play came on a third down in the last game of the regular season. DeAndre Swift caught a pass out of the backfield on third down. He was about 10, maybe nine or eight yards short of a first down. Two Packers came up to make the tackle. If the Packers make that tackle, the defense gets off the field. The offense can go and attempt to salt the game away, being up by something like four points at that time. Instead, DeAndre Swift powered through the both of them, picking up the first down. The Lions went on to run the ball down the Packers' throats, score a touchdown, and Kirby Joseph on the Packers' next drive picked off Aaron Rodgers, and the rest was history. And that play to me, that DeAndre Swift powering right through both of the Packers' defenders, displays maybe the biggest issue with this defense, and that is that they don't do the little things right. And to explain this, I'm going to go back to that first summer that Joe Barry was brought in. And he came in, and he brought energy. And I wasn't excited. He wasn't this big schematic genius or anything. He was a he was a DC that had failed in his previous two stops, but he brought a lot of energy. And you saw that energy against teams like Kansas City in 2021, against the Seahawks in 2021 when they shut out Russell Wilson, or even against the Niners in the playoffs when they gave up like three defensive or six total defensive points. The defense played fast and they played physical. Joe Barry, before he'd even coordinated a single game with the Packers, he was in training camp, maybe OTAs, whatever. He was tackling the ground, displaying passion, displaying fire, and that was just totally gone this year. And so I need the defense to get back to playing fast, playing physical, and to go along with that, playing with fundamentals and doing the little things right. And that involves emphasizing tackling on the defensive line, emphasizing fast play from the linebackers and having them, whether it be Quay or Devondre, come up and finish plays and make tackles. That also involves forcing the secondary to communicate, just communicate, play with continuity, pass off crossing routes for a start, and also tackle. So when a back comes out of the backfield at you, 10 yards short of a first down, you wrap him up and you let the cavalry arrive to finish him off. Or another example, when Josh Allen is coming downfield at you on third down, you don't have Darnell Savage throw up a chicken wing. Instead, you have him put his arms around him, wrap him up, and let the cavalry arrive. And that's what I need to see more of, and that's what was totally missing this year. And I don't know what the coaching staff was emphasizing in practice this year because they did very little well on defense, but that's what I want them to get back to emphasizing or just start emphasizing even if they weren't emphasizing it in the first year. They need to wrap up tackles at all levels. They need to communicate better and they need to almost enjoy contact and look for contact. And I think that those three things will instantly make this defense better because they're in a scheme that relies on people coming up and making tackles. It relies on passing off routes in communication and it relies on a defensive front being able to quickly get off and make tackles without relying on their teammates to do so. And 
That is what I want to see. I want to see the defense get back to tackling, get back to communicating, and get back to playing aggressively. And those are basic things. Tackling, one of the first things you learn when you play football. Communicating, one of the first things you learn when you play any sport. Being aggressive, that is something that's baked into football. But that's something that the Packers defense did not do well. Those are three things that the Packers defense did not do well. And that's what I need them to get back to doing or just start doing. That's my first lesson. The second lesson, or the fourth lesson, sorry, is that the Packers need three playmakers. And I'm sort of going down these lessons in order from least important to most important. Uh, So the fourth one is that the Packers offense needs three playmakers. And this year, the Packers offense, in the back half of the season specifically, because the first half was just a dumpster fire on all levels because Tunyon wasn't yet back, Watson was not yet the stud that he is now. But in the back half of the season, the Packers had six good skill position players. They had Alan Lazard, they had Christian Watson, they had Romeo Dubs at the wide receiver position, they had Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon at the running back position, and they had Robert Tunyon at the tight end position. And that's good. That seems good. You have six good skill position players. But the issue came in that the Packers only had two true game-breaking players, players that could just take off in a second and end a game, players that could put a game from out of reach to in reach, and those two guys are Watson and Jones. And, you know, that was fine. It served the Packers pretty well. They made their offense much better after Week 9 when Watson began emerging. It The offense was definitely top 10 for the back half of the season by both DVOA and EPA, but when you look at the true top offenses, and I mean, look at the final four guys in the playoffs, you're looking at the Eagles with three playmakers and A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, and Miles Sanders. The Chiefs with three playmakers and Travis Kelsey, MBS, and Isaiah Pacheco, plus Patrick Mahomes, who gives you, I don't know, an extra like three playmakers alone. And then the teams that just got eliminated, the Bengals had Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Joe Mixon. And the Niners, with their extremely dynamic, dynamic core, have... Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, Brandon Ayuk, and George Kittle. The Packers have their Joe Mixon and their Jamar Chase. They have two playmakers. They have their Christian Watson and their Aaron Jones. But they need their T. Higgins. If you get one more dynamic playmaker, then I truly think that you're cooking with gas. But right now, they just need that one more guy. Because two playmakers is good, but all the best teams, even with the smartest coaches, have three or four. And I think... This tweet from Aaron Nagler pretty much sums it up. He said, and for the 2022 and 2021 Packers, this is where this applies. He said, quote, Tay was the engine, but MVS was the transmission that shifted the offense into overdrive. And that's what the Packers need. The Packers have their Devontae Adams and Christian Watson. No, he's not quite at the Devontae Adams level, but you you get my point. They have their engine there. They have their Aaron Jones, that really good guy at running back. But they need their MVS. They need that guy. That's the transmission that can shift the offense into overdrive. Maybe that guy can be a Romeo Dobbs. Maybe he develops in this next year, and then you just add in another guy to that wide receiver core to be your possession guy to to replace Lazard. Maybe Dobbs is the possession guy, and you get another playmaker, either at tight end or wide receiver through the draft. But however it's done, you need that one more guy. You need that guy that takes the offense, takes it from a very good, you know, a top 10 offense, and shifts it into overdrive, into that top five offense, that offense that can be in the NFC Championship game. And that's what the Packers need right now. 
We have Jones and Dylan in the backfield. We can build a decent tight end room by either, you know, bringing Tanya back or drafting someone. We have Watson. We have Dobbs. Now we just need that one more piece, that tight end, that wide receiver, that playmaker, who, when Watson gets bracketed, he can step up. And if we find that guy, then the Packers offense can look really, really good. And that sort of brings me into my third lesson. And that third lesson is that the offense is close. And you might say, well, you just said that they need one more playmaker. Yeah, they do. They do need one more playmaker, but they don't need three. And that's why I have a lot of hope going into 2023, because everything else is so, so, so close. The coaching position. This year showed us that Matt LaFleur, he's absolutely the right person to be coaching this team. I, I mean, I don't know if this is a hot take. I don't really have any doubt when I say that. I think Matt LaFleur is the a, a perfect coach for the Green Bay Packers. He's a top-tier play designer. I've said that many times. We've seen that throughout his four years as head coach. We saw that throughout this year even. Matt, he's also a guy that people believe in. He is well-liked, and you saw that this year when he brought this team, the team from the depths of hell that was 4-8 and eight, up to 8-8, eight and eight, and literally a play by the offense or defense away from making the playoffs. He overcame multiple big-time deficits. He overcame a 14-point deficit to the Cowboys in the fourth quarter, a 14-point deficit to the Eagles early on, and a 9-point deficit to the Bears. That's really, really good. He's a coach that you can believe in, that you can rally around. He's a coach that makes plays, that lets all his players be successful. He's a guy that can get the ball into the hands of his playmakers, as long as they're wide receiver, because apparently getting the ball to the hands of Aaron Jones is a little bit more difficult, but I digress. The one part of Matt's coaching that is hard to judge is his play calling because we've only seen it in combination with Aaron. But in combination with Aaron, it looked really, really good in 2020. And the one part of Matt's coaching that I don't have complete faith in is his ability to hire assistants slash coordinators because aside from Basaccia, he's hired guys like Joe Barry and Mo Drayton. But, I mean, throw, throwing all that this hiring assistants and coordinators aside... You have that head coach, you have that offensive play designer that you want to have. Then from a player standpoint, as I mentioned, they're just one player away to me. Because up front, you have Elton, you have Bakhtiari, you have Runyon, you have Zach Tom, you have Nyman, and maybe you draft a center, maybe Myers develops, and that can really, really solidify this offensive line, which is where everything starts. I'll talk about that later on. At the tight end, I said you can easily build this tight end room up. You either bring Tanya back, you draft a guy... Or maybe you draft a playmaker there. And then running back position, Jonesy and Dylan, you're set. And then Watson and Dobbs and just one more guy. You need that one more MVS player. That's what you need. And that's why I think they're so, 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 so close. Because, again, there's work to be done. And, look, man, all bets are off if Jordan Love comes in at quarterback because he could suck. But I think that the second half of this season showed you, and the lesson to take away from it, or one of them, is that the talent right now that they have is right where it needs to be. And you pair that with Matt LaFleur and hopefully either an improved Aaron Rodgers or Jordan Love that can execute a more Shanahan-based system, then I think that this offense can be really impressive if you just get that MVS overdrive player. Okay, with that, let's move on to the second lesson, and that is that the defense needs more talent up front. Second lesson. Yeah, we saw as the defense improved in the back half of the season that the secondary began to gel and some of it definitely started in that Miami game because Jerry Gray yelled at them at halftime but regardless of how it happened we saw that defense communicating and getting better we saw Russell Douglas 
getting better. He really improved as the year went on. Jair, he was an all-pro. He, he had a pick six today in the Pro Bowl flag football game. He's an absolute stud. But the biggest thing, and this was really an issue all year, was that the Packers didn't play so well up front, specifically in the run-stopping department. And that is what leads me to this conclusion, that the Packers need more talent up front. Now, as a defense, there are many ways to stop the run. The two main ones are to either, one, load the box with heavier personnel. And that is that is really what most Shanahan attacks try to get a team to do. They try to force the defense to commit to putting their bigger interior players in, sticking seven or eight people in the box, whether it be throwing in an extra defensive lineman and linebacker or throwing in an extra defensive lineman or just an extra linebacker. And then the Shanahan offense tries to prey by attacking through the air because once you have that seven or eight man box, it's a lot harder to stop the pass, but it's also a lot easier to stop the run. So that's the main way. That's or that's one of the main ways is loading the box. The second approach is to stop it with a lighter box, and that seems much better, right? Because if you can stop it with a lighter box, you have more people to drop back into coverage. Well, this approach takes a lot more talent and a lot more scheme, and the idea behind it, while solid, relies on your linemen having a lot of, as I said, talent, because they essentially need to play two gaps at once, they need to then disengage, and they need to make tackles consistently. And the issue is, while the Packers love their nickel packages, they love having this, you know, six-man box, four down, or four linemen, two down linemen, with Kenny and someone else on the interior, it simply doesn't work, and they get run all over. And the issue is that, sure, Kenny's talented, but that other guy that you put in there, usually not very good against the run. And I can list so many games where the Packers got absolutely trounced on the ground against the Bears in week two and week, I believe, 14. They got pounded. The Eagles game, where they gave up almost 400 yards, they got pounded. The final game against the Lions, where they gave up two devastating touchdown drives, they also got, I wouldn't say pounded, but they got hurt pretty badly. And so there's clearly an issue there. Now, the Packers, they can either switch up the scheme, commit to heavier man coverage, put more people in the box, emphasize tackling, but let's be honest, that's not happening with Joe Barry in the building. So it's going to come down to Gutekunst getting more interior talent. He needs to build a better defensive line. Kenny, yeah, he's great. You're set there. But you had Slayton and Wyatt getting almost no snaps this year, um, and being young players, you end up relying on someone like a free agent in Jerron Reed as your second guy, and that simply doesn't work, especially now with Reed being a free agent, because now you're left with just Slayton and Wyatt, and yeah, hopefully they develop. But either way, with so many rotations going on at the defensive line position, I need Goody to go out and add two more defensive line players. Hopefully that involves both adding a guy in the draft and signing a free agent. Because then you can pair, you know, those two extra guys that you brought in with Kenny, Slayton, and Wyatt. And that, the hope is at least, that that can give the Packers their first good defensive line in what feels like ages. Because then you have the talent, ideally with Wyatt developing, Slayton developing, a free agent brought in, a drafted pick that you can give time to develop, and Kenny Clark. With those guys, you have enough talent, potentially, to stop the run. That is sort of the idea behind acquiring defensive talent, and you saw throughout 2022 that they can't stop the run, 
And with this light box strategy, they're going to need more defensive talent up front. Oh, and then by the way, I haven't even mentioned the outside talent because with Rashawn Gary having the, his ACL injury, you leave only two good edge players on the Packers roster. And those two players are Preston Smith and Kingsley Enigbari. Yeah, it showed that they only had two good players throughout the back half of the season because the only thing less existent than the pass rush was the run defense. At the edge position, where players are continuously rotated in and out, you need four good players. Again, the Packers had two. And do the simple math there, that means with Rashawn Gary out, the Packers need to get two more guys on the edge this offseason. They need to get players that can make a difference up front on the edge because, to me, everything begins up front. And with the Packers, things failed up front on defense. So, to reset this defense, make it a lot better, improve it, you need to get things working along the interior defensive line. As I said, that means adding, you know, two more guys to pair with Kenny Slayton and Wyatt. And it also means adding two more edge guys to pair with Preston and Enigbari, get things going in the edge game then to help out in both the pass game and the run game. So that's that's my second lesson this season. The Packers need more talent up front. They need to get interior talent to help with their light box run defense. They need the edge talent to help both with the run defense, but also really with the pass defense. And then we move on to the biggest lesson, and that is that everything begins with the offensive line. And I think this was so true in 2022 because I said that everything starts up front on defense, and that is very true. But since everything starts on up front on defense, you can imagine on offense, who is playing the defense, everything starts up front on offense too. And we saw this year that the Packers offense went as the offensive line when I talked so, so much about how the Packers playmakers are almost there. And, and that's totally true. I do believe that. But that doesn't matter if the Packers' offensive line isn't there. Luckily, I do think that the offensive line will be there next year. But this season shows that that matters and that they need to be there. Because when the offensive line gets mauled, like against the Jets or early on against the Bills, the Packers' offense struggles. They put up, I don't know, like 7, 10 points against the Jets. They put up 0 points against the Bills in the first quarter. However, when the offensive line begins thriving, then the Packers' offense begins thriving. You saw against the Cowboys, the Packers put up 31 points. Against the Eagles, they put up 33. And against the Vikings, in Week 17, the Packers put up like 40, 41 points or something. The Packers' offense thrives when the offensive line thrives. And that's because the offensive line opens up so many things in the running game, of course, but also the passing game, and it allows the Packers to actually get the ball to Watson, get the ball to Dobbs. So... The biggest lesson from the season is that the Packers need to care about the offensive line. And I think that they do. I think that they do. But it's also worth mentioning how critical it is because, again, I cited those you know five games, the two bad ones, Jets and early on against the Bills, where the offensive line struggled, so the Packers struggled. And then Cowboys, Eagles, Vikings, where the offensive line was good, so the Packers' offense was good. And as a result, I think that you're going to need to see the Packers develop all the players that they have along the interior. They need to get someone like Myers to improve. I don't know whether that means moving him away from center and putting him at guard um, or keeping him at center, just hoping that he develops because he needs to get better. Hopefully you can get Newman to develop a little bit. And then Nyman and Tom, two players that, you know, were very good this past year, but have room to grow. They also need to get better. And then 
of course, you have your mainstays, you have your studs, your Bakhtiari, your Elton, your Runyon along the interior, or Bakhtiari on the exterior, offensive line, where you can just set those guys in stone and forget about them. And I think that in that way, you can have faith in this Packers offensive line, and that's critical. And I think that in this upcoming draft, you can expect them to continue to build the offensive line. Even if they don't draft a tackle, you know, in the first round or second round, I think they're going to draft three or four linemen elsewhere, and they're going to develop one or two of those guys into big-time players because that's just kind of what the Packers do. So those are my lessons. The first lesson from the season is that the Packers defense needs to get back to his fundamentals, needs to get back to the tackling, the communication. Second lesson is that the offense needs just one more playmaker. They need three total. They have Watson and Jones. They need that one more guy to really make defenses scared. The third note is that the offense is close. It's right there. But again, you need that one tipping player. The fourth note is that the defense needs talent up front. It needs interior talent to stop the run and outside talent to help both the run game and the pass game. And then the final note is that everything begins with the offensive line. I think we're going to see the Packers continue to develop it and I think they're going to need to continue developing it. But that is what I have for you today. As always, thank you very, very much for listening to Dedicated Packers. I'll be back on Wednesday, and as always, Go Pack Go!